You're listening to Flaunt, Find Your Sparkle and Create a Life You Love After Infidelity or Betrayal. Have you been betrayed by life, your body, or someone that you love? You're not alone. No matter what you've been through, Naked Self-Worth helps you regain confidence, joy, and enthusiasm so you can create a life you love and flourish. Tune in weekly and learn how. One of the hardest things about finding out that your partner has had an affair is the shame and embarrassment talking about it because it makes you feel like you did something wrong, that somehow you weren't good enough and that you didn't keep them happy. And there's such a misperception in the world around what affairs are like and what it means when somebody has had an affair. That's why I have created a monthly support group for women who have been betrayed by their partner. It's for women who are really ready to move through the grief and the pain in a healthful way so they can claim what's possible for them on the other side of infidelity and betrayal as quickly and as healthfully as possible. And part of that is having community, having community with people who were positive. There are so many online support groups where everybody's just really negative and grouchy and they just vent their own pain and they vomit their pain all over you. And this group is nothing like this. This group is honest. Yes, we're honest. But it's also about support and community and holding each other and building each other up. If this sounds like something that you would be interested in, go to www.flourishafterinfidelity and sign up. When you sign up, you'll immediately get the Zoom link to our next meeting, and then you will be in the loop and you will know when each monthly meeting is about to occur. I really look forward to having you there, to building this community of strong women together. Once again, it's www.flourishafterinfidelity.com. And we'll see you at our next meeting. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Have you been struggling lately? Relationship issues impact every area of your life. When I found out about my husband's infidelity, I was so devastated. I could barely function. Sleeping was impossible because I couldn't shut off my brain. Eating was a challenge because I felt nauseous all the time, and for the first month or so, everything felt pointless. Whether you're having trouble sleeping, feeling hopeless, or just can't focus, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help. You can talk to your therapist in a private online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that might not be available in your area. Just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you'll be matched with a therapist in under 24 hours. Then you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. I know that confidentiality was important for me, especially early on when I couldn't even get my own mind wrapped around what was happening. And it was so comforting to be able to speak with someone candidly about everything I was going through to validate that what I was feeling and experiencing was completely normal. You can request a new therapist at no additional charge anytime. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Special offer to flaunt, create a life you love after 
infidelity, and betrayal listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash flaunt. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash flaunt, F-L-A-U-N-T. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. Hello and welcome to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal. I am Laura Cheadle and I am a betrayal recovery expert and coach. One of the things that I hear a lot from the people that I work with and just from people who listen to my podcast and reach out is what good is therapy? What good is therapy? How can it help me? I'm not the one that cheated. I'm not the one that did something wrong. What is it going to help to talk about it? You know, things like that. So today, what I really wanted to do was bring on somebody who specializes in couples therapy, not only to talk about his practice and how he works with people, but also to help you understand what a licensed marriage and family therapist is, what they do, and how they can help both you and possibly your partner and possibly your relationship. And whatever you decide, whether you decide to stay, whether you decide to go, or whether you're in the state that I think so many of us fall into, and that state is, I have no idea what I want. I just learned this information and I don't know what I don't know. That's what I hope to address in this show. Today's guest is Shane Burkle, and he is a licensed marriage and family therapist. But more specifically, he is someone who sparks change in people's lives and relationships, which is what I love. Because as you know, in my own experience, going through infidelity was a huge positive catalyst for me, for my husband who cheated, and for our relationship. And that really spoke to me. Anyway, Shane helps individuals and couples who want to feel satisfied in their connection with each other and feel like no matter, and he works specifically with people who feel like no matter what they have done, no matter what they have tried, they still feel stressed and frustrated. He helps them explore their history so they can uncover patterns that they might not even be aware of. So they can start having more control over their emotions and be more excited and happy about their relationship again. So with that, welcome to the show, Shane. I am so excited to have you. Hey, Laura. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So let's start from the beginning. You're you're a therapist. What does it actually mean to be a therapist? Yeah, I love that. And I think... There is a there's an idea. I have a lot of people who contact me and it it almost feels like their expectation is that this is a place where I'm just going to go and vent about my life and that a therapist is just someone who sits back and gives you a lot of support and compassion, you know, as you talk about the things you're going through. And and you know, maybe there are therapists out there like that and maybe that's helpful for a lot of people. Maybe that's what some people need. But for me and the way that I work, I feel like um, 
you know, one of the things, especially if, if someone's been through something like infidelity or something like that, a lot of people need a lot more than just a compassionate ear to listen to them. They, they need to get a sense of clarity about what do I want for myself in my life, right? And I don't think there's a right answer from my, I'm not in the business of forcing people to make it work and stay together. I just want people to be happy and healthy in their lives. And that decision has to come from a place of authenticity, from a place of uh, what I call their wise adult self. Like I'm making this decision because it's what I want. It's an empowered choice that I want to make for myself not from a place of fear, not from a place of this is what I should do, not because this is what I have to do, but because this is what I really want for myself. And this is, I see a path forward. It might be a lot of work, but I see a path forward for making this work for my life. And um, so in order to accomplish that, I think people have to have an understanding of what is it what does it mean to even be a healthy human being? What does it mean to be in a healthy relationship? What are the things that have been missing in my life that um, can give me more clarity about deciding what I want going forward? Yeah, so well said. I love how you raised the question of what does it mean to be healthy? And what does it mean to be in a healthy relationship? Because on that my mind actually went personal on that. And I'm going to share a tiny bit of a story so we can take that deeper. Yeah. I was raised in what would be considered a very healthy relationship. I had a stable family. Of course, there were some problems that came up, but I had a quote unquote, normal, stable, non-traditional or non-traumatic family. So my vision of what was healthy was based on my childhood. My husband was raised in a very traumatic situation with mm -hmm. so much abuse, not only in his family, but in his extended family, that he thought that was healthy. He thought that was normal. Right. And one of the things that a therapist did for us was help us to bridge that gap and to understand, actually, this is normal. Actually, this is not normal. This is healthy. This is not healthy. And that's just, mm -hmm. that's fascinating to think about, isn't it? Yeah, totally. And I I live near Boston and there's this there's very much in New England. I don't I'm not sure what the cultural background is, but there's very much um uh a lot of family history where nobody talks about emotions. Um and so a lot of people will come in and we'll start talking about things in therapy and they'll be, I'll say what was, you know, how was your family growing up and they'll say it was it was normal. It's totally normal. Right. And I'll dig into it a little bit further and I'll say, oh, how who was validating you when you were a little kid? Who was asking you how you were feeling? Who was making you feel accepted for what you were feeling? And they're like, whoa, whoa what are you talking about? Nobody did that in my family. Nobody ever talked about feelings. Nobody ever did anything like that. You know, and so there's this uh, quote that I heard. I think um, one of my mentors, Terry Real, said this just because it's normal doesn't mean it's healthy. Right. Which is an important realization. Yes. So true, because we all think what we experienced is just normal. Right. Totally. Yeah. And, there, and I think these things exist on a societal level, too. Like these, you know, things that happen in movies 
that we think, oh, that's what normal true love looks like, right? And it, and it gives us a false sense of reality because that's also not normal or, or, nece- or healthy necessarily. Yeah, exactly. So what are some characteristics of a healthy relationship? Yeah, so that that's a big question. And um, I think that when I when I think about relationships, one of the things I talk to people about a lot is uh, a sense of empowerment, a sense of valuing myself and valuing others equally. And um, a lot of times we end up talking about boundaries as well. So what I mean by that is I have to start from a foundation of valuing myself, that I am uh, a person in this world who is no better than or less than anyone else in the world. I deserve to have a voice. I deserve to have a perspective. I deserve to have deeds and wants that I deserve to have boundaries for myself when it comes to others. So when I start dating people, um, if I have that, if I have that ability to value myself, then I can express what things I like, what things work for me, what things I don't want in this relationship. And the other person's ability to hear that and listen to that and respect what I'm saying will help me decide, is this a good partnership or not? So I think what happens if I don't value myself, if I'm operating on something like other-based esteem, which yeah. is I am enough and I matter because other people think I do, then I might enter into that relationship just trying to please the other person, just trying to make them happy because as long as they're happy, then I'm feeling okay about myself. But I might get two or three years or 30 years into that relationship and and feel like, oh my gosh, I haven't had a voice. This is all about what my partner wants. I've never been able to express what works for me. Uh, you might have people on the other end of the spectrum who just make it all about them all the time, who talk of like, who just say, I want this, I want this, I want this. And they might find partners who are willing to be with them. Um, but eventually their partner will be the one to say, I, I don't feel good in this relationship. This isn't going to work for me. And they get really confused. I thought we were doing this together. I thought we both wanted this, but there hasn't been that level of communication to really work through what each person wants and to really, I think one of the most important skills for couples is the ability to listen. And I think it's one of those things, even if you think you have a normal ability to listen, that um, most of us don't really do very well. And there's a lot more we can learn about how to really give another person energy, give another person space and energy to have their perspective with acceptance and respect and not interject ourselves into that. That's what I mean by, by listening. Yeah, no, that, that is so true because too often we're listening to respond. We're not listening to understand. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I tell, I often tell people your boundaries are for you. Your boundaries are not dependent on the other person doing anything. In other words, you know, people will come into couples therapy and say, you know, my partner is doing this, my partner's doing this, my partner's doing this. And it's almost like they want the couples therapist to fix their partner at that point. Yes. And um, 
And I look at them and I say, oh, my gosh, well, what are you do? What have you done? What What are you? How are you communicating that that's not OK for you? How are you? You know, what happens if you try to have a conversation with your partner that that's not working for you? And um, the the purpose of thinking about it like that is to move people into empowerment of their own life that. Um, if I am not happy in a relationship, that it would be perfectly fine for me to leave that situation. Um, and I think this is so important that like philosophical, like a philosophical understanding that a relationship, I, a relationship is a choice, at least in the first world countries, if you, that we live in, right. assuming you're not in a bad situation, but this relationship is a choice that I'm making for myself and I have the right to express what works for me or doesn't work for me. And I have the ability to make a choice at the end of the day. If this person isn't willing to respect the boundaries that I need, then I can make a choice to leave that relationship. And that doesn't make me a bad person. That doesn't mean I'm doing anything wrong. It just means that that's a choice I need to make for myself. And I can do it respectfully and I can do it with compassion. Because in order for people to freely choose to make an empowered choice that I want to be with this person. They have to know that the reality that it's okay to leave is true. So then once I know that I, I have to realize uh, that I have to come to the conclusion that this is a person who loves me and cares about me uh, and also wants this to work. And that's the place from which I, I can have this conversation to let them know there are things that really aren't working for me in this relationship. Because um, if I, if it, you know, I see lots of situations where people just make it into um, like a power struggle or a, or a fight, like it's almost like the two of you look like you're talking as though you're enemies. Have you forgotten that this is the person who you love more than anyone else in the world? Or at least if if you don't, why are you still in this relationship? Uh, so it's just a, a relational reckoning to help people sort of embrace the work. That's often that's often at the beginning phases of embracing. Am I willing to do the work with this person? That's going to be very difficult to try to make this relationship work. Yeah, yeah, I love that. I love there's like so many different paths to go down all at once, but I love embracing the work because it's work to stay and it's work to go. And yeah. it's, it's work not to make a decision and it's work to make a decision. And I think it's just invaluable to have a therapist help you get back in touch with that wise adult self. I love the phrase relationship reckoning to see what's going on. And again, to empower you to have those choices because in my experience both personally and professionally you know just with friendships and with people that I've worked at we all do I think tend to get stuck sometimes and kind of fall in that victim state of this is just the way things are and mm -hmm. I can't do this I can't I can't I can't and I like how you said a relationship is a choice because it is whatever you choose mm -hmm. will have consequences, but the choice is yours. Yeah. And I strongly believe there is no, when it, well, when it comes to the types of conversations 
regarding relationships. There's no right or wrong. It, it, but there are consequences, like you were saying, you know, oftentimes people feel very stuck or they feel like I have to do that. You know, um, I can't separate from my partner because it'll be really harmful for the kids. So I'm stuck in this situation and that's going to continue to lead to um, feelings that you're not happy in your life. And so even if let's say you're not really wanting to have the same type of relationship with your partner, but you have kids and you decide to continue living in the same house, even that can be an empowered choice that we could say, Hey, listen, we don't really want to be in a relationship anymore. I think we should stay together for the kids. I mean, my perspective is that that should never be a reason to stay together, but it's not for me to decide what people choose for themselves in their life. Right. Well, why are, why are we beating ourselves up, giving ourselves a headache, trying to make this work when it's just not working? Why don't we say this isn't working and st we'll stay living together for the kids if that's what you want to do. But, but anyway, but just continuing to reframe the conversation in a way that this is my life. This is the only one I have. Um, I have a limited amount of time to spend on this planet. And I have the ability to choose what I want for myself on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. There's nothing you have to do. There's nothing you should be doing. Uh, I mean, I guess I, I guess you could argue like you should probably take care. If you have children, you should take responsibility for them and take care of them, things like that. But, nice. but, um, but, you, but you know what I mean as far as like when people get that stuck feeling, that mm -hmm. helpless feeling. I love that you went into that stuck feeling because speaking about infidelity, you know, in particular, when one of the partners has gone outside of the marriage, they they've cheated. All of a sudden you find yourself in the situation that you didn't choose. And now you have to clean things up. And not only do you have to clean things up, but you have to deal with your own trauma and you have to make decisions about the relationship. And you don't know what the other person is going to do, if they are going to be willing to do this work, to embrace that work with you or not. And it's this whole feeling that suddenly, like in the blink of an eye, I have 6,000 decisions to make, but all have enormous consequences. And I don't have enough information to figure this out. And it's like the nervous system totally overloads and you shut down and everybody's like, I don't know. I'm stuck. I'm totally stuck. I don't know what I want. How do you start yeah. unpacking that in that moment of bam, your whole life has just changed. Surprise. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think when your partner has an affair, when you find out that your partner has had an affair, it is one of the worst things that could ever happen to people. It is one of the most traumatic things. It's like the, the entire reality that you thought was true is no longer true. The entire plans that you had been thinking that you would be doing the rest of your life are constantly thrown up into the air and you don't know if it's going to be the same. Everything that you thought you could trust, you know, is no longer that stable and there's a there's when you start doing the work of couples therapy or repair uh affair recovery 
it's like the very person who betrayed you and hurt you and did this to you you are supposed to open up to and share the share with and build trust and it's like oh my gosh what what a scary situation to go into and so for me you know to answer your question more directly when it's feeling completely overwhelming when it's feeling like i'm stuck i don't know what to do i think it's really important to take your time to take a step back there's nothing it's probably not a great idea to make decisions from a place of impulsivity to make decisions for like there's a very um i i i talk to people sometimes about the difference between my present day adult emotional reality mm -hmm. versus versus my carried emotions. So let me give you an example. My, my carried emotions are things that um, are neural pathways that were formed when I was a child that um, create beliefs that I have about the world. So um if if my mom i'm just making this up if my mom for example was really anxious all the time and told me that the world is a scary place and you shouldn't go outside and you should be really careful about everything i might take that on and grow up and have a lot of anxiety and i might be walking down the street and be like really scared every time I turn the corner because I'm worried about all the dangerous things in the world. Right. That would be an, that would be a carried emotion of anxiety. There aren't really any dangerous things going on around me, but there's a part of me that has a belief that makes me scared. It's a valid emotion. It's valid, right? but it's not connected to anything that's going on in the present day reality. There's an edginess to it. There's an impulsivity to it. Um, if now, if I, um, am, am walking down the street and one of my kids, uh, falls down and breaks their arm, I'm going to have a huge sense of anxiety and fear that comes up at that moment too. But my present day adult emotion of anxiety and fear will put me into action, put me into motion. Our emotions are there to help us and inform us that there's, there's some move that you can make in the situation. So I'll probably, I'll be very helpful and conscious and present to try to help get my child to the doctor or whatever needs to happen in that moment. Right. So there's a much healthier way. There's something I can do about it. Like, you know, if my building's on fire and I have a, uh, an emotion of fear that comes up, I run out of the building. It's like, there's, there, it's a legitimate emotion based on what's going on. So the confusing thing when you've been through an affair, you have the present day hurt from the betrayal that just happened, but you also have some of those carried emotions coming up, like, you know, a fear of abandonment or a fear that I'm not enough or a fear that I'm always going to be alone, you know, things that most of us have on some level. And, mm -hmm. you know, it might be some very, some specific ways that we, that we have, acquired those over the years and some specific ways we feel them differently but most of us have a fear that we're not enough we're not worthy we're not deserving of love and so 
all of that's going to be coming into it. And that'll feel a lot more heavy and deep, if that makes sense, or it'll feel a lot more edgy or like impulsive or like, I need to do like, maybe I should leave my relationship tomorrow, you know, and which is a legitimate thing to think about, but that's where you just want to take a step back and breathe and remind yourself there's plenty of time to make decisions like that. If that's what you truly want for yourself, but let's make sure that this is coming from a place of what I'm feeling in this present day emotion. Let, you know, and so for a lot of people, they'll start the work of couples therapy at that point or, or some form of working through the affair recover, you know, to recover from the affair. And to me, I think it, it is important to take a good amount of time to kind of see is my, so my partner's had an affair, like, where are they at with all this? This, this is like an adult, a well, wise adult way of looking at it. Like, do they want to be with me anymore? Or, you know, do I want to be with them? Like, are they willing to do the hard work that's going to be necessary for us to recover from this? Or am I getting the sense that they don't really care that much, even if they're saying that they do? So I, I want to make a clear headed, take a deep breath decision based on what I want for myself and based on how it feels afterward with my partner, are they, you know, giving me a lot of compassion and understanding and accountability or, or not, because that would be a better way to sort of begin to make the decision that that could take a couple months to really get a feel for where they're at and what, how they're approaching this and what's going to happen next. I love that you said that because you're absolutely right. It does take time. And even though this show is for the betrayed partner, I really believe that part of healing, so much of healing is understanding the betrayer, not to let them off the hook and it's okay because you had a bad childhood, so it's all okay. But to understand- Yeah, but that they're going through a process too, and that they are a human, going back to what you said, that foundation of the value of yourself, that even though they've done this, they're still not worse than you, and they're not better than you. They still have agency, and they still get to decide too if they want to do the work or if they don't want to do the work. And like you, they might not know in the moment. They too might need several months of counseling, several months of unpacking this to figure out, yes, I have the desire and the emotional capacity to do this work or nope, this is too much for me, too, too, too much too soon. And that they're out of here as well. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And it, it comes back to that idea of self-love or valuing myself you know that if i just found out my partner had an affair here i am right i'm feeling terrible i'm feeling um like i don't know what to do confused i'm feeling terrified of what's gonna happen next you know i need to come back and and it's the hardest time to move into valuing yourself but you know i need to come back to realizing that I am going to be happy and healthy in my life, despite whatever happens next. I'm going to make a choice. I am a good person. I am deserving. I am worthy. And I'm going to make a choice that I'm going to be okay. Now, 
there's a lot of information I need to find out. Like, first of all, like, does my partner still want to stay together? Are they willing to do the work? You know, but I would give people the the advice at that point, take your time, really, really take your time, really surround yourself with people who care about you um, to really help you build, build yourself up. Don't make decisions out of fear. Don't make decisions because, you know, it's the right thing to do. It has to be true for you. And um, the situations that I've seen where people make the progress the most quickly is when the involved partner, which is the partner who had the affair, uh, is really sorry about it and really willing to say, oh, my gosh, I made a huge mistake. I'll, I'll do whatever is necessary to recover from this. I love you and I care about you. I want this relationship. And, uh, you know, I, I definitely made a mistake. So when that happens, the the person who's been betrayed has a really clear compass. I mean, you still don't have to decide to stay if you don't want to. That's no, fine. No. But you that but it gives them a sense of at least a little shred of reassurance to say, OK, my partner is willing or at least they're saying right now that they're willing to do this work with me. Um, it's really hard when you, when the affair happens and the person involved in the affair is still sort of like, um, I don't know, is it, it wasn't really that bad, you know, you should, yeah, you should be so it. upset about it. Yeah. Um, to me, it's like, oh, we're, this is going to be a long process, um, because, there's no, there's not any of that accountability. There isn't any appreciation for the impact on other people in the situation and things like that. That's obviously, that's not something that the person who's been betrayed can control. No, no, not at all. And so that's kind of leads into my next question. We all have to do this work for ourselves, exclusive of what our partner decides or doesn't decide. What is your recommendation and what are your thoughts around truly finding your value and choosing to explore yourself when objectively you were victimized by this situation? Objectively, in so many ways, you're not the one, quote unquote, with the problem. But now that the problem has been revealed, you're left with the mess to clean up. Yeah. So this is good because um it's really important to make sure and i'm you know i'm sure you're, you do this all the time with the people you work with like it's really important to make sure that it doesn't sound like i'm saying that it's the um the person who's been betrayed it's not their fault that this happened at the same time when i'm talking about valuing yourself and building yourself up it can be extremely helpful whether you do this in the context of couples therapy, if you feel safe enough, or maybe you do it in individual therapy or, or, or coaching, you know, whatever that you, so the way that I often approach this is that I want to, I want to dig into uh, understanding what happened for you growing up. Like, like even if you grew up in a relatively healthy family, I really want to understand 
what is the mindset? What are the beliefs that you're carrying coming into the situation? What are the things that help you feel valued that you want to make sure that you're connecting to? What are the, um, how much of your decision-making is coming from your authentic wise adult self versus how much of your decision-making is, is coming from what I would call uh, an inner child part that is, you know, those are neural pathways that are connected to some of those themes that um, happened when you were growing up. And so, you know, for example, I was working with this woman who I was seeing her for individual therapy and um, her husband had had an affair a couple months before, maybe it had been like six or eight months. They were going to a couple's therapist. She was feeling like it was going okay, but she, you know, when I began to explore, we, we, we began to dig down into it. And she realized that when she was growing up, she had a twin mm -hmm. and her twin was like the perfect child from her parents' perspective. She was always wanted to stay home with the parents and hang out and do, you know, get good grades and do the right thing. And my, the, my client, the person I was working with was saying, you know, I was always kind of the black sheep. I always wanted to go out with my friends. I always wanted to do something else. And there was very much a lack of acceptance from my parents. There was very much a fear that I was constantly letting them down. There's very much uh, feeling guilty all the time. And what we came to realize is that for her in this situation, mm -hmm. she was operating from a place of, I need to stay in this relationship because I don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to let him down. I'm constantly making it about his needs. I'm constantly making it about what he wants. And even though he had an affair, she still wasn't standing on her own to standing in her own confidence and saying, this is what I need now. This is what is important to me. And so that this came through in the course of our individual work together. And she was able to take that into her couple sessions and into just her conversations with her husband and say, listen, this is what I need in order to feel like I'm going to be okay in this relationship here. And it took a lot for her to get to that point where she felt confident enough to say that from her authentic self, because so much of what was coming through was her fear from an inner child part of herself. Mm -hmm. And it, it took a lot of this deeper work for us to get to that point where she was like, yeah, I'm not doing anything wrong by saying what I want. I can do it respectfully. I can do it with compassion, but I can also say, if this doesn't happen, I don't think I can stay in this relationship. Right. And, um, and that's okay too, right? It doesn't mean that my partner's a bad person. It just means that they're not able to show up for me in, in the way that I need. I want, yeah. And want, yeah. And uh, it's sort of irrelevant, but just to let you know, she decided that she did that and she worked on that for several months, trying to have a voice, working with it. And she ended up deciding that the, she hadn't, you know, she didn't really want to be in that relationship and she hadn't been in it for the right reasons for a long time. Yeah. And um, sometimes that happens. And the other person responds well, and it can lead to some really meaningful work so that you can repair the relationship. Yeah. Meaningful work. I, I love that because that's what it's all about. And if she decided she would didn't want to be in that relationship, I'm so proud that she decided for reasons, for reasons mm -hmm. that she could understand and articulate as opposed to the knee jerk 
he cheated, he's out of here. Yeah, totally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because you don't grow. So one of the things that I hear a lot, and I will say I experienced it at first too. When we first, when I first found out about my husband's affairs and we started going into counseling, I had the mindset that just like you said, we were going to fix him because he was the one with the problem and that I had the, the normal, fine, healthy, happy childhood. And while for the most part, there was truth in that, understanding myself at a deeper level has brought so many other benefits that transcend the relationship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I... I hate to say like, I wasn't the problem because that's not it, but we all have, we all have roles and habits. And I like how you use that, that the deeper level because understanding myself, understanding that the phrase that I used to always use as a wife and as a mom is you all tell me your needs, your schedules, I will manage it all. And I will fit myself in the cracks. I never said, this is my retreat weekend. This is an event I want to attend. You all have to balance around me and accommodate me. I will accommodate you. Right. And it's, it's subtle. And did that quote unquote cause the affair? No, it did not cause the affair. Was it a contributing factor to some of the dissatisfaction in our relationship that coupled with his own attachment issues and childhood demons created an affair. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. That's great. That's a great example. You know, it's like, it's absolutely not your fault that the other person made a choice to have an affair, but how, what a helpful realization, you know, and and I look at, uh, I think Esther Perel talks about, you know, after there's been an affair, it's like you're starting a new relationship. It's like, it's like, we're, it's the same person, but we're going to do things in a very different way now. Right. And it's an opportunity to look at all those things. A hundred percent, there should be a lot of looking at the person who had the affair and, and trying to figure out what's going on here. But, um, we should also, it's also very helpful to look at the things like your you said in your example just to just to really be conscious of how we're living our life how we're being in relationship with each other um and i love your example too it made me think of this idea like you are do like if it's with regard to the kids right i'm doing everything for the kids right because i want them to be happy and healthy and successful but at the same time, I tell people this a lot. What are you actually modeling for your kids? Yes. Because supposedly you're doing it for them, but they're going to grow up and be taking every care of everyone else at their own expense because that's what was modeled, perhaps. Right. Um, so there's something really healthy, even if you feel like, oh, no, I can't do everything for everyone. There's something really healthy for you to model having a voice and saying, I need some things too sometimes, and I can't do everything for you all the time. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So so what does it look like with the couples and the individual individuals that you see? Because this is a long-term process and you, you have that, those realizations come in waves and stages. How do you recommend people first seek out 
a therapist that is in alignment with who they are and what they need? And then second, what is the long-term trajectory of how they can expect this working relationship to look like? Yeah. So one of the things is that um, sometimes I have individuals contact me and um, say that they want, say that they're struggling in their relationship and they want therapy, which is great. I'm happy to work with people. But what, what ends up happening is a realization that there's only so much we can do. If, if what your main issue is, is your relationship, and that's why you're going to therapy, then it's going to be, we're going to get a lot more bang for our buck if we bring the other person into the therapy session. So I'm always asking people to bring their partner in. Um, now, if someone is going to couples therapy and they have their couples therapist, it could definitely be valuable to have a different person who's an individual therapist because it's a, I think it's a whole different thing. So when people are seeking therapy, I think they should really identify like, what am I hoping to accomplish with this? Like, why am I seeking it out? You know, is it because I have a lot of anxiety and I want to kind of work that out for myself because then you probably just need some individual therapy or is it because I'm really struggling in my relationship? In which case, you, you're probably going to need a couples therapist. And that would probably be the first call I would make instead of going to an individual therapist. And then after three sessions, having them tell me you should probably get a couples therapist too. Yeah. Um, so I think that's really important deciding, you know, and that's the first question I ask people when they come in to therapy, what do you want? What are you hoping for? If you feel like, Oh, wow, this was a home run. We got everything we wanted from going to therapy. Um, what would be different? What would have changed? And if I'm working with a couple, I ask each person because they might have a different perspective about that. And I don't want to assume their goals are the same. Um, they might have, they, they each have their own perspective about what they want and it's equally important. Yeah. And, and that's, that's, that is interesting because it's my guess that many people would say, I, what, what do you hope to gain? Well, I hope that you will talk sense into them. I hope. Yeah. You right. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, and it's hard. It's like, we have a sense of, I, I, I don't know if it's cultural or just all human beings. Um, we tend to talk about these things from the standpoint of objective reality. So, you know, one person will begin to say, well, he came home and he didn't even hug me. And they'll look at me like I'm supposed to know what that means to them. Right. Where like there's okay. an like there's an objective reality that when someone comes home, the the expectation is to give the other person a hug or something. Yeah. And so I think the therapy can often be a really important uncovering of well, what does that mean to you? And is that something you want to request? Is that something that you want more of? And we break away from objective reality. There's your reality and you can talk about how it makes you feel and what you want and what you want to be different. And there's your reality. And so we really have to separate that out and we have to teach people. You have to take turns being a speaker and a listener because you don't have to agree how many hugs a day is the right amount. Doesn't You don't have to agree, but the, the difficult thing for couples is to figure out how to have those difficult conversations. If I only want one hug a day and my partner wants three, 
Like, how do we work through that? How do we tell each other, give each other feedback without being blaming, without being critical, without being judgmental to say, this is something I want. It's really important to me. And to listen to my partner about why it's a struggle for them or what's important to them and what it means to them. So that, um, and I, and I have to be careful as a therapist not to get sucked into the story, right? If someone's like, you know, my partner did this, this, and this, it, it would be, sometimes it would be easy for me to look at him and say, oh my gosh, you did that. Like, why did you do that? You know? <laughs> yes. And it's like staying from a place. Uh, I think a big part of couples therapy is understanding the process. How, how, how is it that we stay in a place of respect as we're communicating this to each other? You can communicate whatever you want, but you have to do it with love and compassion and respect. Yeah. And um, I think when people just start kind of tearing each other apart or blaming each other, it's going it to, it starts to feel very hard to stay in the conversation for the other person. Yeah. And I think that's so powerful because familiarity makes it difficult. You know, when you've been with the same for so long, it's so hard sometimes to be be in a more formal and respectful place because you're tired, you're exhausted, you're sick, you're frustrated, and it's easy to communicate poorly. Yeah. And if it's okay with your partner, it's fine. Is the, you know, the question is, how does it feel for your partner? Right? Like if, if I see my wife and she's sick and she's tired and she's exhausted and she starts snapping at me from my perspective um you know do i have the capacity to say like oh she's just having a bad day today you know yeah or or is it or is it something where i'm like oh my gosh i feel really hurt i'm gonna have to talk to her about this at some point it's really doesn't work for me when she starts calling me names or something whatever right um you know so that's legitimate too but it's it's it, all of that is my own work for myself. Either I'm working on moving into yes. compassion for her and acceptance for her because she's going to make mistakes. She has limitations or I'm working on how do I communicate my boundary with love and respect and understanding because there are things that don't work for me and are important for me. And I need to get that across. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah. how you kind of sum that up because it is all our own work. It's yeah. not having somebody else change or it's not getting the therapist on your side to help you communicate to your partner. It's you owning your feelings, your requests, your desires, having a deeper understanding. To me, and I'm not sure if you agree with this statement or not, but what I often tell my people is go see a therapist to help you understand understand attachment issues, understand the nervous system, understand all of these things. Then you can come see me and we can do some coaching and we can help you put that understanding into action because it's one thing to understand it. And it's another thing then to change the way that you act and respond and behave with that understanding that you now have. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think what we do as therapists and coaches is probably often very similar uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. I agree. So 
do you have any last words of wisdom for people who are experiencing or have experienced infidelity and betrayal and really want to feel better, but don't know where to begin? Well, one of the things that seems really helpful for a lot of people in that situation is that this idea of um, creating space for the conversation, you know, so a lot of times what will happen is like the person who had the affair will just be like, I just want us to get back to normal. I don't, I want us to not talk about it all the time. I want us to, uh, you know, just be happy again. Yes. And the person who's been betrayed is like, you know, it's, they're constantly thinking about it. It's totally normal to be constantly thinking about it for it to have feelings about it for, you know, for a year, for a couple of years afterward, you know, to oh, yeah. have it like thoughts come into their mind. And so what happens is this dynamic that plays out, which is like, this person feels like they can't talk about it because this person constantly brushes it aside or dismisses it or minimizes it this person, you know, and this person feels like they just want to talk about it all the time. And, and so the, the thing is like, if, if you actually just create a little bit of space and you can even structure it, like, listen, for 20 minutes, once a week or twice a week, uh, I really want to talk about all the feelings that you're having about what happened with the affair. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's not five hours, uh, uh, you know, but something reasonable and just creating that space can be really helpful for people and understanding what the role is, the speaker role and the listener role, understanding, and that might be another, you know, that's a whole other, another whole other topic, but, you know, really understanding, you know, my job as a listener is just to take in my partner's perspective to make them feel understood. It's not about defending myself or brushing their reality aside, but be curious, be validating, be understanding. And, um, and so that, that would be something I think could be really helpful for people in that situation. Thank you. And yeah. then when people get a hold of you, um, learn more about you, your practice, all of that good stuff. Yeah, definitely. And your podcast. Um, yeah, I have, um, uh, I'm doing a lot of updates on my website right now. So, um, make right, but right now I have two, one is shaneburkle.com and that's my practice website. And then I have another couples therapist couch.com and my podcast is called the couples therapist couch. So there's some resources there as far as, um, I do a lot of teaching of couples therapists. So there's some resources for couples therapists, but also for couples. So they can find out more at those places. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for your time and for your wisdom. Yeah. I think you've given people a lot of understanding about what is therapy and why would they go to therapy and what it does and doesn't do. So thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much, Laura. I really appreciate it. It's good yeah. talking to you. Good. You're welcome. And listeners, be sure to reach out to Shane if you want to know more. Um, as usual, always reach out to me too. I'm happy to talk, answer questions, shoot you an email back. In the meantime, I hope you have an amazing week and always remember to flaunt exactly who you are because who you are is always far more than enough. 
Are you looking for a great way to make new connections and spread your wings? Revel is a new kind of social platform exclusively for women over 40, where you can do just that. With virtual and in real life events, authentic conversations, and no ads, Revel is the community site exclusively designed for like-minded, fabulous, fun women in midlife. Learn more and join for free at hellorevel slash flaunt. That's hello, R-E-V is in Victor, E-L, dot com slash flaunt. Come join us. It's nourishing and super fun. Tune in next time to Flaunt. Find your sparkle and create a life you love after infidelity or betrayal with radio host and live choreographer Laura Cheadle every Wednesday at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on syndicated Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Develop naked self-worth and reclaim your confidence, enthusiasm, and joy so you can create a life you love and embrace who you are today. Download your free Sparkle Through Betrayal Recovery Guide at NakedSelfWorth.com.